This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and today we are talking about a very light topic, misogyny and fandom. So not really a light topic, but I have a great, great panel with me. I'm so glad Tiff was able to make this this episode. Sadly, she missed our pop culture and fandom news, but I'm very, very glad that Tiff is back. Yay! And as always, she's joining us from her luxurious family room with her grand piano as always so love to see it everyone is welcome everyone is welcome to come and join around the grand piano as we drink boss and just you know shoot the breeze only only the classiest one only the classiest of h2 in the glass bottles yes yes so but it is a Saxy Ladies episode, and so if you don't know who the Saxy Ladies are, they are Carla, Meg, Tiff, and me. We are the Saxy Ladies, and Carla and Meg, of course, are the hosts of another fantastic podcast, Bed, Wet, or Behead, which if you haven't listened to that, go listen to that. I mean, I'm not going to tell you exactly which episodes to start with, but if I were you, I would start with either horror hunks or you can start with the Christian Bale episode or Lord of the Rings. There was also, you know, a supernatural episode in there that was, you know, the worst characters ever. But, you know, it was a great episode. (laughs) Yes, a couple of them were good. The ones that I was on and Tiff was on. Do not listen to the one about Team Free Will unless you want to be like me and still hold a grudge. No, do listen to it. But... I still hold a grudge against no Carla and Meg. More, no one is more upset with our choices <laughs> than Carla and I. Weekly. We're like, we, we, we never wanted this to happen. <laughs> I know, but it still did, and it still pains me. I did. I will never forget my reaction driving in the car, listening to that, and being so enraged at who they chose from Team Free Will, if you don't know who that is. That's Dean, Sam, and Cass. So I'm sure by my reaction, and if you know me at all, you can probably guess. I won't tell you, so you can go listen, but you can probably guess what happened there. But it's the anyway, correct reaction. Okay. Yes, exactly. I yes. So so but go listen anyway. It's a great podcast. 
and you will be yelling your own choices as well. When I'm on there and when Tiff's on there, I'm sure you will agree with us and what we choose, of course, because Tiff and I have the best taste of the four of us. So <laughs> anyway, uh, you're all meeting up. Sorry, but I'm going to mute you because you can't disagree. <laughs> say we actually had to institute a tiff rule after a tiff was on the last time that we could no longer just divorce whoever we chose to marry we'd have to marry them forever look, and look, 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 look i am still debating the veracity of that rule i'm just letting you know right now i feel that the rule is false as long as i get married <laughs> there's no rule i need to stay married what are we living in? The 18th century? <laughs> but yes, yeah, so go go listen to Bed, Wet, or Behead and get get more of this. And um this and also go become a Patreon supporter to get more additional Meg content. And then also we will be releasing a special cocaine bear episode very soon, which if you listen to our Wednesday episode, you know how much I absolutely love this movie. This movie is amazing and so much fun and exceeded all my expectations. So go become a Patreon supporter today for as little as three bucks a month. Link in the show notes. Okay, so I do want to give some trigger warnings just because we are talking about misogyny and fandom. So trigger warning for misogyny, trigger warning for sexism, trigger warning for sexual harassment, trigger warning for um, sexual assault. I also want to give a trigger warning for, um, I think this could possibly come up, homophobia, transphobia, internalized um, misogyny as well harassment, mental harassment, other kinds of assault, not just sexual assault, gaslighting, I think could also be uh, be in this bullying, online bullying, depression, all that kind of stuff. So just big trigger warning there. Um, And if you don't know what misogyny and fandom is, I do think this is an interesting explanation, but, um, and this is from fanlore.org. Misogyny and fandom is an observed phenomenon and topic of discussion in many fanish spaces, whether those spaces are majority female or majority male. I do like that they say whether they are majority female or majority male, because you can also find this in majority female spaces as well, hence internalized misogyny. Many observers have noted widespread blatant misogynistic comments at online social media sites, harassment at fan conventions and other offline spaces as well as the lack of female representation, female characters, female canon characters, and even female fans whom both fanboys and mainstream media outlets pretend don't exist. Subtler forms of sexism have been noted and commented on in relation to which fandoms attract the most fans and what fan creators create themselves. Misogyny occurs in all fandoms. This lists different ones, but I want to say it occurs in all fandoms. So I, in all fandom spaces, this can occur. So, and I'm sure we have all experienced our own forms of this, whether they be small or huge. And so I want to acknowledge that, that no matter how small or big it was, that is valid that you experience that and your reaction to that as well. So don't let anyone belittle your experiences with that as well is what I want to say. Okay, so I want to first start with online because I think once social media came along, social media has great benefits. Of course, none of us would know each other without social media, but social media also has a lot of detractions to it. And a lot of that can come in the form of fandom spaces 
and being harassed and bullied depending on what you are talking about. It can be different levels or depending on the thing that's coming on. And this can be uh, bullying from not only people that are fans, but, um, and I know we're mainly just talking about fans here, but I think this also can play into that, but also bullying by stars and creators as well. So that can also come into play. It can come into play from people that are covering um, like reporters and media outlets, they can bully as well. People that are, you know, like re- movie reviewers, stuff like that, that comes into play too. So I want to talk about first just the online examples of that, like any online stuff. You, If you want to talk about personal stories, also I want to say, please feel free and comfortable to do that, but no pressure at all. And if you have to stop at all or can't go any further or something's making you uncomfortable, please let me know. I want everybody on my panel to feel safe and comfortable, not just people listening. I want my panel to feel safe and comfortable as well. And then also constant gatekeeping, which if you don't know what gatekeeping is, is people feel they own a certain fandom or a certain piece of media and they're gatekeeping it from others. They'll test you on your knowledge and say you're not a real fan. So that kind of stuff. So Carla, I just want to know your overall thoughts on this on this topic. I think that the the three words that I can say that pretty much to me sum up the online component of this are Kelly Marie Tran. The way that she was treated and bullied off of social media after playing Rose Tico on on the recent Star Wars movies was absolutely abhorrent. Because I imagine she must have been excited to to get the role. It's exciting not only because I thought that Rose was was fantastic. I, she was one of my favorite characters in the the new um, the the recent movies, but she was also the first Asian American woman to play a big role in the Star Wars world, and to have that followed by such absolute trashing of her and of Rose for no reason other than she's a woman. And especially because she's an Asian woman, like people had a hard time. Well, not people in general, but, you know, especially men, the people, the the men who grew up with Star Wars, who decry everything about the recent movies, not because, and and they'll say, well, they're not just, they're not as good as as the classic ones that I grew up with. And they're not as good as the ones from the seventies and blah, blah, blah. But if you really get down to it, they don't have any solid case for what they're saying it's because the main character is a woman ray you have a black protagonist in finn you have a latino also in a very major role as poe and then the worst part of it all you have an asian woman who can do stuff and and the reason that i'm focusing on on Kelly Marie, Marie Tran is because she got the worst of it and she got the worst of it with not a lot of support. You look at when John Boyega started being bullied and harassed for, for playing Finn. And especially because he became Vogel was supporting the Finn Poe ship. People started coming down really hard on him. However, he had a lot of fan support. And I think that's because he's a man 
so I, I, this is, it's like, well, you know, you're black, but we'll let it slide because you're a man. So that's, that's kind of okay. But they, they were completely relentless with Kelly Marie Tran and it, it's inexcusable and there's nothing behind it but misogyny and racism. There's no good argument to the whole thing of like, Rose was too competent. That was the funny thing. Rose was too competent too fast where you have Luke in your original trilogy that you're so, mm-hmm. you know, adamant about be able to be gifted, a gifted Jedi, like in the blink of an eye, you know, so you, you, you can't, and, or, or even Ben Solo, because like, like a lot of the people who are really against everybody else in the main cast are really into into kylo ren who happens to be a white guy so ray Ray got that same shit of mary sue right right but i mean i'm focusing on Mary Tran because like yeah have the the added layer of racism with her and i ray got a lot of crap too yes for being the mary sue but a lot of it was ended up kind of being written off because like at least she's white so that you know like there are many other examples that are out there, but this one is the one that for me is the most emblematic of this issue. And where gatekeeping is concerned. And it, it, it the gatekeeping, all of this extends far beyond the star Wars world, the gatekeeping, of course, but I think the gatekeeping thing is so much more tricky to identify. Because a lot of the time, you end up thinking to yourself, like, oh, maybe I'm not that good of a fan. Like, maybe I'm mm-hmm. not a valid fan of this thing because I didn't do X, Y, and Z. And I don't know every single line from, you know, from this film or this TV show. Or, you know, I, I haven't gone to all of the cons and I haven't done this. And all that is, it's just somebody feeling insecure about their place in the fandom. Somebody feeling like, I feel like you're inferior to me, so I am going to position myself as a superior fan so that you don't step on my little heart about something that I care so much about. And I'm here to tell you, folks, fandom is not a zero-sum game. There is there is infinite of, uh, uh, an infinite amount of fanishness that you can have. Mm-hmm. You can have all of the fanishness in your heart. And that does not keep somebody else from having fanishness. And guess what? Even if they have like vast amounts of it, you can still have a ton of it. There's no limit to how much you can love a property, no limit to how much you can adore a character that will somehow be trampled on by somebody else loving it the same or God forbid more. You don't need to sit there and compare notes about it. Just be secure in the fact that you are a good fan just by being a fan. And likewise, the people who are being told that, well, you know, this isn't really for you because you're, you know, you're, you're not mentally equipped. You're not emotionally equipped to handle all the intricacies of this world. That is just these people telling on themselves. This has nothing to do with you and with the validity of your place in this fandom. You don't have to have uh, an encyclopedic knowledge of this thing for you to be a fan. 
and that that really bothers me when people when their gatekeeping is not only blatant but they think that it comes from a good place to them it's like i'm just trying to keep the fandom pure you know like <laughs> what does that look like and why is this a thing to you i'm trying to um to keep this for the real fans who appointed you the pope of real fandom and why does it matter to you so much? Like a lot of this like really requires some deep internal examination that people are not willing or capable of. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, I'm sorry that you're not a fan of your own psyche. You know, like I'm sorry that I'm a bigger fan of your psyche than you are. And I know more about it because I've read all of the, the books about your psyche that you're not willing to read, but stop being insecure. Go be a fan of your stuff. Let people be a fan of their stuff on their own terms, their own way. They're not taking anything from you, I promise. Yes. Yes. Everything. Yes to everything mm -hmm. there. Um, and Meg. I'm going to do this obligatory coddling that we have to do and say, when I say men, it's not all men. Okay? <laughs> if you're listening to me talk about and say men, and it doesn't apply to you, then I'm not fucking talking about you. If it does apply to you, then you need to take a minute and do that introspection that Carla was just mentioning. Um, because if you're getting mad and recognizing what I'm saying when I talk about men as a general as a whole, based on my experience in fandom places and within sports fandoms, and I will call sports fandoms fucking fandoms, you're not just a fan, you're in a fandom. It's the same fucking thing. I'm so sick of sports fans. Fantasy like, leagues are fanfic. Exactly. That I... I, so I was joking. I have two pages of notes on this. And that's a big a part of it about how fantasy leagues and fanfic are. They're the, it's the same. Okay. It's self-insert fanfic. Let's not pretend it's anything else. I'm, I get very fr Anyway, television, movies, fantasy, book fandoms. All of that is just as valid as sports fandoms. So if you think it's silly to get excited about a book series or about a show or about a movie, but you don't think it's ridiculous to get excited about your sports team and burn a fucking sitting down city down, whether or not your sport ball team wins. That's a you problem. That's misogyny. Okay. That's what it is because what we're talking about books, shows, especially fanfic, all of that is typically female oriented stuff. You're talking about typically male oriented stuff. It's the same fucking thing. Sorry, I just had to get that off my chest. I was telling everyone, this gets me really heated, this whole topic, because I've experienced so much misogyny um, and gatekeeping in fandom that I've left. I've left fandoms. I've stopped doing things because girls aren't supposed to do it. And it and it sucks. But as far as the fun, the most fun ones are the quizzes. If generally, anytime a woman says, I like this. I like baseball. Oh, yeah? Name all of the teams in the Northeast Division. Or, I like, I'm a fan of Brewer. I'm a Brewer fan because I live in Wisconsin. I actually, this happened to me in real life. I said to one of my friends who I've known for many years, I'm like, oh, yeah, I love the Brewers. And this was when I was really deep into the Brewers, and this killed a lot of it for me. One of my closest friends was like, oh, yeah? Name the members of the team. And I was like, okay, great. Uh, let me give them to you in batting order. Just because I don't sit around and memorize their fucking scores, their stats, all of that shit doesn't mean I'm not a fan. I grew up watching this team. I love this team. Stop it. And it happens with everything. It happens with every single time a woman comes forward and says, I like this. 
And if you don't know what this person, this generally a man, thinks is important to know, then you're not really a fan. But the fun part of this is if you do know that, you're a freak and you're a pick-me girl and you're just wanting attention. Like the only reason you could possibly care about the Green Bay Packers is because the coach is super hot. Like it could never actually be. And I'm going to talk about sports a lot because women are allowed to be fans of sports too. Mm -hmm. I'm not a huge sport fan, Um, but it's the same thing. You talk at star Wars, star Trek, any, any typically male dominated fandom, women aren't allowed to be fans. And the older you get, the less space there is for you in fandom. And it's, it's just so frustrating because yeah, it's normal for men to know all of the stats about their favorite sports players, But if women know a lot of information about a favorite author or entertainer or artist, they're weird. They're, they're obsessed or it's infantilized. Like if you're a fan of BTS, then you're clearly just a 15 year old girl who doesn't know any better. It does not matter that these young girls have brought the beat, like the Beatles. It was, it happened with the Beatles. They, the fans were ridiculed, and now this is like men's ideal music because men took the Beatles over. And now you can't really be a fan of the Beatles if you don't know every song from every album. And if you don't understand, well, this is the point where they were getting really rocky. And then, of course, Yoko Ona destroyed everything because, of course, she did because she's a woman. <laughs> mm-hmm. It runs so deep. And I was trying to think of just like specific examples, but it's literally everywhere. There are fewer and fewer spaces for women and girls to be comfortable to be a fan of something because especially online now, it's, I'm going to talk about the bronies for a minute because I was going to hold off. I was going to wait to bring this up because the bronies, if you don't know, are male fans of My Little Pony and they come in with, they came in with the whole like, well, we're it's really gaslighty because they're like, well, we're not conforming to gender expectations or anything like that because we're male friends who are really into this fandom that's really focused towards young girls and they take it and they twist it. Uh, women and girls make up 15% of the online My Little Pony fandom. Men took it over, made online spaces unsafe for women and young girls by pornographic, racist, violent fan art that talk about not even just pornographic, but assaulting bestiality, the whole nine yards and made it. So women and girls can't be a part of that space for something that was geared towards them. And along with all of that, of course comes white supremacy and, and Nazis. It's really become a really horrible place. And that's not obviously, again, not all men who are fans of My Little Pony are this. But when 85% of a fandom that's geared towards women and young girls is taken over by mostly white men, it's not nothing. Like, I was driven out of the Star Wars. Not even just out of the fandom. I kind of just stopped with Star Wars because... Not knowing every single thing that happened on every single date within the show meant I wasn't really a fan. And if you need to hear this, if you like something, you're a fan. 
And that's enough. You do not have to spend a shit ton of money. You don't have to know every single thing, every single detail about something to be a fan. I'm a huge fan of the Lord of the Rings. Huge fan of Lord of the Rings. I do not have an encyclopedic knowledge of the Lord of the Rings. That does not make me less of a fan. And I find it really frustrating and interesting that knowledge of stats and details is what's considered a valid fan thing. Not knowledge of character motivation or overall story arcs or plotting or pacing or the emotional arc of characters. None of that is considered to be valid or real reasons to not be a poser fan. And I am like, I'm going to be so heavy on the air quotes when I'm talking because this is an audio audio medium, which is, it works so great. But, (laughs) but, and women can't win because if you don't know anything, then you're a poser. But if you do know a lot of stuff, you're a pick me girl who just only knows it because your boyfriend or husband knows it or because someone in that space is hot because there's no reason why you could have any interest in anything unless it's tied to a man. And it's so, and this is so hurtful, not just for women, but for men too. And especially when we talk about ageism in fandom, which I'll talk a little bit more about, but it's so insane to me that men are allowed to be fans of stuff for their whole lives. And it's not weird. It's not weird. My dad's 65 years old, still still in, not in fandoms, but he's a fan of stuff and he's allowed to have that space because no one expects men to have anything more important to do in their lives. And that's awful for men. Women don't get to be fans of anything, what, 25? Definitely by 30. By 30, you should only be caring about your children and taxes. That's what I personally have been told. I should only be doing laundry and minding my children. And I'm like, bitch, I bring my children into fandom. But that's so unfair to to both. And now I'm going to take a minute and pause so other people have a chance to talk. <laughs> but I'll be I'll be back. No, that 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 was great, Meg. That was great, Meg. Thank you, thank you, and Tiff. I really liked how you bought into the stat portion of things, Meg, because that almost ties into how men are looked at as the harbingers of logical thinking and reasoning. And they are math driven and statistic driven and Mm -hmm. everything that has to do with reasoning. That's a male quality and they have it in spades while women are the emotional flighty Oh, I don't know. What? Huh? Our lady brain can't handle. No, we can't handle two things at one time. We can't handle, you know, breaking down and doing exposition on the merits of such and such or looking at a piece of art and not seeing only the emotional components to it, but looking at to see what actually what mediums were used, why the artist actually used that medium. What was the reason over choosing oils over watercolors and so on and so forth? Like you said, we cannot win for losing. We are damned if we do. We are damned if we don't. I'm going to go. um, I love what Carla mentioned about Kelly Marie Tran. She got it from both sides. She got it because she's a woman. She got it because she's Vietnamese at the same time. Boom. It was a recipe for disaster for her in as large of a fandom as Star Wars is. 
which is also one of the most toxic out there. I'm going to go with um, talk about also, you know, another superhero driven part of the fan thing we have Captain Marvel. The way that Brie Larson was treated, mm-hmm. and you know, if a white woman is treated like this, it's really bad. <laughs> if a white well, look what they did! Good. Look what they did to Miss Marvel. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. Exactly. You know, and I think it was a little tempered only with Miss Marvel simply because it was a Disney Plus property and she's on TV, as opposed to the big screen treatment that Captain Marvel got. And you see, the fact that these losers did not have. the bandwidth to leave it alone pre-release. Rotten Tomatoes had to completely change up their algorithm when it came to user reviews because these trolls tried to bomb the pre-release of the movie. So you're telling me that you're sitting there thinking, hmm, you know what? This is going to be my goal for the day. Let's ruin a movie that I haven't seen. Yeah. Well, because there's, there's not infinite space and fandom for everybody. No, no. To exist. No, a a strong woman character, a strong superhero character cannot exist for some reason. Oh, and especially because she can't smile. She's not smiling. Smile more, smile more, Carol, smile more. There's an article um, and I pulled it up and I saved it by, Alex Abad Santos, he wrote it in uh, March of 2019 for Vox. And it was going on about how, you know, these trolls were consistently doing that, you know, pasting these creepy photoshopping these smiles onto Brie Larson's face during stills of the shots. And so what she did, it says, but that isn't to say that Larson has just ignored the trolls and moved on. As Bloomberg noted, she also savagely responded on social media by calling out the double standards Captain Marvel has faced by sharing a picture of the typically serious male Avengers with altered smirks and by posting videos of the extremely difficult workouts she was completing in her preparation for the role, including pushing a Jeep, which I saw that video. She was literally pushing a Jeep up a hill. So that girl is strong. (laughs) Let's (laughs) just say that girl has some muscles. (laughs) Um, So, you know, to, to say that she didn't take this seriously. um, Oh yeah. The, the mocking uh, Meg had mentioned the girl power mocking. Now, honestly, I did not like that shot because I thought it was, I I did think it was um, unnecessary. Uh, Mm -hmm. I felt like the Russos really just were like, okay, yeah, we need all the women together so we can show yes, girl power. But, but even that is there too. But like, <laughs> you know what? It's like, we're allowed to say that. They're yeah. not allowed to say it though. It's like, dude, that I don't know sitting at your mother in your mother's basement. You're not allowed to notice it. I can notice it though. Cause I, cause I'm but a even woman. Them, <laughs> even, even them doing it because we just want to have the, all the women it's, in the shot and exactly. not have any real purpose. Oh, that itself is misogyny. And the fact that we killed off the original woman Avenger for no reason whatsoever. We're going to fling her off a cliff and not have her in the entire second half of the movie. So we can bring in some people who had literally nothing to do with the Avengers at all. Uh, okay. The men had to have a reason to be angry tip. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's going to get me heated and hot. So I'm not going to talk about that. I will go further though. into saying about um, one of the, the Disney plus, the, like the only Marvel series on Disney plus that I absolutely positively hated. I've said it before on your show, Aaron, but I literally hated Falcon and the winter soldier. I despise that show, but 
I will say this. There's an article about the, unfortunately, we only got a few scenes of Ayo, who was part of the Dora Milaje from Black Panther and then Wakanda Forever in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Because if uh, you're unfamiliar with the, the series, Sam Wilson, who is the new Captain America, and Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier, uh, have sprung Helmet Zemo, who was the one who did all the fallout from, from Captain America Civil War, who brought all of this, you know, uh, division and dissension in the Avengers. They sprung him out of prison for <laughs> to, to try to, to get a handle on their their big bad in that series, which is called who are called the Flag Smashers. So what ends up happening, this is from the fourth episode, uh, they are taking on the new Captain America, this guy named John Walker. <laughs> Somebody called him Great Value Captain America. And <laughs> And his and his best buddy, who happens to be a black guy named Lamar Hoskins, and it says it's a battle that sparks once Captain America, great value Captain America, dares to touch Ayo and seems unwilling to let them take or execute Helmet Zemo for the crime of killing King T'Chaka in Captain America Civil War. While Bucky and Sam hang back from the first part of the fight, so they're like, okay, let's let the ladies take care of it, right? They join once the Dora Milaje's lethal intent becomes clear. As Ayo and Bucky begin to spar, she activates a failsafe that renders Bucky's vibranium arm dormant and causes it to fall to the ground, effectively, although temporarily, ending its use as a weapon in the fight. The fandom responds to the episode across the internet, fully sympathetic to Bucky, a white man, infantilizing him and portraying him as a victim of Wakandans like Ayo and Shuri who've betrayed him. The massage noir was on level 1000. This is a country. These are a people that took this man in this bud. Now I know Bucky Barnes brainwashed you know, tortured for 70 years. You don't have to apologize for Bucky Barnes. You know, I mean, no, but the whole thing, but the whole thing, I feel bad for Bucky. I do. But he says it in Civil War, you know, when Steve Rogers does that whole, it wasn't your fault, Bucky. And Bucky says, but I did it. He always has said, but I did it. And these are the people who took him in, who gave him a new arm, who gave him sanctuary, who gave him his life back. And then you betrayed them? By by giving, you know, by taking this man who gave who killed you, killed your king. And the, the backlash is against the black women, the backlash is against the black women. And it was it, it was a lot of backlash. Somebody said it was ableist. You know, there was a whole big somebody did an entire thread. I don't remember the guy's name. It was a white guy, but he did an entire thread. I mean. That that this was back when I was still, you know, using Twitter and it just went on and on and on about how ableist um they they were in taking away Bucky's um accessibility and his, you know, what they considered his arm to be his mobility device. And I'm like, do realize in that moment it was not a mobility device, it was a weapon, a weapon that they provided to him. It didn't matter if he and they and then the guy went on and on and on about how he should have known that the failsafe was there. Well, why? <laughs> why? Why would they tell him that? Why would they tell him that? 
And then to for him, you know, and when black women are responding to this and, and other women as well are responding to this man as with valid responses about they realize how they would have felt betrayed in this moment because Bucky could have reached out. He, he at this point, he's still in contact with Shuri. He's still in contact with Ayo as well. They call him White Wolf. They consider him a friend. He was in constant contact with him. He could have given them the heads up. Hey, you know what? Oh, this is what we've got to do to stop these people from trying to, you know, wreak anarchist havoc, havoc across the planet. He could have at least given them a heads up, but he chose not to. He chose not to. And that's misogyny and misogynoir right there, too, because Bucky and Sam thought they knew best. They thought they knew best when it came to how to deal with this, as opposed to reaching out to a people who are trained for not only as warriors, but also in espionage as well. The patriarchy, ladies, babies, everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. So far, really great, um, great insight there. I mean, I could devise whole episodes on each one of these things that we've talked about, just like those, those ones. I'm I'm going to focus on a couple of things here. First off, just an example. One of the tweets that... uh, I tweeted a long time ago that got the most, most attention I've ever, ever had a tweet get. And that was in response to an article that was written or to, actually it was just in response to the backlash, the very right backlash. Everybody had the right to have this backlash about, and it was the family that was upset with Quentin Tarantino and Quentin Tarantino's portrayal of Bruce Lee in the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And there was uh, stuff written about that. I responded to it. And, you know, I don't even remember exactly what I even said. I couldn't find the tweet. And I had to mute it because I got so much hate from that from a lot of men and from a lot of people also saying, and there became gatekeeping and they're saying, well, um, you know, the family didn't know Bruce Lee that well. You're hearing from people that that didn't that he was he had passed on before this before they were a li- uh, old enough to really comprehend what was going on and totally discrediting the fact that a family was bringing up rightly the racist portrayal of Bruce Lee and it was a racist portrayal. If you saw that movie, it just plain and simple was but Quentin Tarantino in the film world and film lore, I mean, someday we actually probably will talk about Quentin Tarantino because it's interesting to examine the fandom around that, him because, man, you attack Quentin Tarantino and you have you. Oh, my gosh, you're in trouble because people worship him like he can do no wrong. Nothing he does is wrong. Nothing, nothing. Not the fact that he does a lot of movies where, in my opinion, you know, and a lot of people have criticized him for this, um, the overabundance of the use of the N-word and how it's his way as a white man to be able to get away with being able to say that. And he can excuse it with the fact that he has Samuel L. Jackson in a lot of his stuff. So then he's like, well, that's my excuse is that, you know, or that. Um, I'm not saying I condone this talk. It's just what would have been said around that time. But I really think you have to really look at the fact that it is in so many of his movies. 
there has to be something else going on there. If it's like, I've got to find a way that I can excuse away and be able to say this. And well, I think that like is sort cinematic, of cinematic. It's a cinematic. I have a black friend. <laughs> yeah. And so I think, and a lot of writers and screenwriters will do this. A lot of white screenwriters will do this. So um, it's not just him, but the fandom surrounding Quentin Tarantino, because I have been in film fandom longer than anything else. And that is a tough fandom to be in, period. But to be in as a woman is really tough because, man, men that love film and love like quote unquote prestigious movies are the biggest snobs you will ever meet. Of course, not all men, but they can be the biggest snobs ever because they are gatekeeping cinema is what they're doing. They are gatekeeping film. And they're like, if you, it's happening with cocaine bear. If you like cocaine bear, this is like, this is like, just like stupid entertainment. There's no real meaning to this. There's no real deep thought. Not every movie has to have deep thought. There was a head, um, Indie Wire, which is a very snobby publication, frankly. Um, and they review things and their, um, their, uh, headline for their review of Cocaine Bear. I have to read it so I can get it exactly right. Was Carrie Russell and Ray Liotta add A list appeal to this B movie cash grab? Cash grab. <laughs> Cash grab, whereas where there are other movies that are cash grabs too, like most every movie is trying to get cash. Mm -hmm. But when you say it's a cash grab, and by the way, it's direct, this movie is directed by a woman. So you also have to take that into account. But when you say, as far as like the criticism around that, but when you call a movie a cash grab, you are also basically degrading all the work that went into that movie. Because to make a movie that's silly, goofy, knows what it's doing, it's a horror comedy, it has to balance that level of horror and comedy, it has to know how absurd the premise is, but take it seriously, but to the point where it doesn't take itself too seriously, that is a real work of art. That's a real craft. And so when you say stuff like that, you are not only degrading people that become fans of it, you're degrading a female filmmaker. You're, and you're degrading the audience. And that happens a lot in the film community with film bros, as what they're called. And it's very much that gatekeeping of, you can only like this kind of film. It happened a lot also with Paul Thomas Anderson, which I love Paul Thomas Anderson. I despised Licorice Pizza for many, many reasons. And there is a very, very, very racist thing that happens in Licorice Pizza and people were attacking that. It's also, I do not like the fact that Licorice Pizza, to me, never, ever, 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 ever says how wrong it is that this really old, older woman who's in her 20s is going after this high school kid never really seems to condemn it too much. And you attack that. Paul Thomas Anderson is another one. Oh, my gosh, you should not do that. And this was not just men. It was women, too. So that's another, that's a big space. I have personally seen it for decades is that community. And I also want to say, and I'll bring it up a little bit more when we get into conventions, horror, 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 horror. There are statistically more women that love horror than men, but never tell a man that because men don't believe you. Number one, they never, be I've told so many men this and most men 
are outright shocked and they're like, that can't be true. Really? Seriously? Mm -hmm. I've never heard that. But it is true. And so there will be that thing of like, how can you like horror? How can you like watching that? Doesn't it scare you? Doesn't it do that? You know, there, and there are very, very specific reasons why some women love horror. For a lot of women, it is one of the few places in media where they feel like they find power and strength, where they can watch a woman defeat this, you know, since we are always afraid, watch us defeat that terror and that horror. That's why final girls are so popular. That's why women love watching slashers. That's why women love, I mean, I'm speaking from personal experience and also women I know. Because you get to see that it's like you get to be powerful for a moment and watching a woman defeat a man or presence that is causing you pain and that will cause you pain in real life. I'm not saying, you know, there's real Michael Myers, but you know what I mean? Like the real life struggles and fear there. So I think that's why a lot of women, you know, it also is a big boost in serotonin. Honestly, they've done studies. So, you know. Oh, you love horror and the third extra you see in the second Halloween movie. I wouldn't be so, I mean, I haven't heard that personally, but it's pretty close to that. It's but that's the, yeah, remarkable. That's, that's the level of detail that men seem to go into oh, yeah. when you say that you like something. You have to find this really weird, obscure niche, niche thing to prove that you love horror. Like, I don't think anyone would ever question, Aaron, that you love horror who has spent four minutes talking to you, but I, <laughs> Men just can't help it. <laughs> yeah. Well, but men get shocked by how much you love horror. Men get yeah. shocked by that. There are men that do get shocked by the fact that you would, you know, I mean, everybody who listens to this knows I, I collect Michael Myers stuff. I have so much Michael Myers stuff. And, you know, I think for some men, that's, I think, you know, what I think part of it is with the horror part of it is I think men are like, well, that's kind of scary. Why would a woman mm-hmm. like horror movies? What's wrong with her? There must be something really wrong with her. And that's why I even find myself always like prefacing saying, well, I love I love Halloween movies and I do collect Michael Myers stuff, but I'm not rooting for Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. And I feel I have to preface that because I think a lot of people think that when it comes to horror, which is not the, not to say that's the only place you'll get questioned because i think every fandom you do but i think in that one it is media everybody covers horror like it is a male genre Mm -hmm. when statistically it is the opposite of that well and i think what's so shocking for men when they hear women because like you said they think of it like it's gory it's violent it's scary it's about fighting and and i think so much of it because there is a difference in between how men and women view media and i think Frankly, not a lot of men are looking for that female empowerment that women are seeing when they see it. They see a lot of violence and we think of violence and slashers and anger and we we think of men. <laughs> They're not looking at it from the perspective of the survivor. So I think it's really hard for them to understand how women could see this as a female empowerment thing. So I I don't know. It's yeah, I no, am not a fan of do. horror, but <laughs> no, people did, but that's very true. And I think that's why you got torture porn, frankly. I think you got torture porn because torture porn to me, mm-hmm. this is, and the torture porn to me almost ruined horror. And torture porn is not like slashers. I, I, I really don't like the comparison because slashers, you will usually 
nine times out of 10, you have a very strong female protagonist who ends up defeating the evil, she, who will end up being the last person, the final girl. You always have that, that female protagonist. When you have torture porn, which I think was actually made in direct response to that, in a lot of respects, you have women being tortured. And yes, you have women murdered in horror movies all the time. But in in those, it's like the camera is really, it's the male gaze in horror is what it is. Because it's like, I mean, Hostile Part 2, I hate Eli Roth, but Hostile Part 2, which is supposed to, on the surface, be more about, because it all follows these women this time. And if you don't know what Hostile is, Hostile is also a very incredibly uh, racist film as well, I want to say. But it is, it's, um, it's also very xenophobic. It's, 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 it's horrible in my opinion. But the second one, it's following women traveling to another country. And so they try to paint it like it's going to be women being surviving and doing, but, and they have, you know, they have a woman who's torturing people too. And they have this whole scene of a woman being so brutalized. And the way the camera is almost is getting off on this is very different than the other stuff. This is made for the male gaze. And so it's like, to me, that was a direct response to women finding any kind of power in horror. We're going to take that away because you're not supposed to be enjoying this. And, you know, and I'm not saying there aren't women fans that love torture porn because there are, but it's just disturbing to me. So that, you know, I don't know. Anyway, I get, I'm someday we will talk about torture porn. I've been putting it off. I've put it on the schedule over and over again, but I hate torture porn so much and I have such a visceral reaction to it and it makes me physically ill that I've put it off. But the only reason I want to talk about it is because I think with the stuff we cover, it actually is an interesting topic to delve into of how that happened and how people say, well, you like slashers, then you have to like that when they're so, so different. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, but let's move on to conventions. So I want to talk about, we'll just combine these three things. There's also gatekeeping at conventions, of course, but I want to talk about sexism at conventions and also cosplay and the sexual harassment that can exist there. I mean, we can dive right straight into the sexual harassment component because that happens whether you're in cosplay or not. And that's because if you're showing up in a space where there happen to be men, you're fair game. As far as they're concerned, a lot of the times it's, um, if you are showing up, the, the, the whole thing with 
Comic-Con being like this big hookup thing for nerds and whatever. I wonder how much of it is just harassment and women feeling like they aren't empowered to put somebody off because in a, in a nerd space, men feel like, like in a dedicated nerd space, men feel like they, they have the power and that they are the ones who are in charge. And it, it's interesting that as nerd things and as geeky things have become mainstream things, these same, these same men who may have been harassed and bullied growing up for the things that they liked are now harassing and bullying people to keep them out of these things that they like to the, to the degree that if they're in a convention and there's a woman, their first response is to punch down. Their first response isn't to be like, Oh, this is somebody who I could possibly talk to about how much Klingon and Elvish have in common. I don't know if they do. Don't don't come at me. Like I, I have no <laughs> clue about this. They may, they may not. Well, I know they're both made up. There we go. They have something in common. And instead of seeing that as as a as a great thing, they see it as a threat. So these men don't get to play the victim and then also victimize other people. They don't get to say, well, you know, I was bullied and harassed growing up, and you know, like I didn't get to be popular as a kid because my 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 head was stuck in books and you know like i like to read tolkien and so i know more about it because i grew up reading it and so i have ownership over these movies and all of these things because me 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 meanwhile you probably didn't see your fellow young person who was not going to grow up to be a man reading these things because one, you're self self-absorbed. And two, you're not paying attention to what they're to what they're doing because to you it's not valid and it's not worthwhile to pay attention to what they're doing. So this this constant need to to invalidate by men of non-men is pathetic. It's pathetic and it comes from, I, I keep going back to this, it comes from a place of insecurity that, you know, that you fought so hard to be taken seriously as the premier connoisseur of all of the the stores in Diagon Alley. Like, if that's your jam, good for you. But let that be its own reward. And when it comes to conventions, I, I went to my my first fandom convention was an x-files convention and it was so much fun i had such a good time i i went with a friend of mine who was also huge into x-files in fact when she was doing semester at sea i recorded all of the episodes that she missed and i took great pride in my recordings because i would pause it exactly at the right place and pick up exactly at the right place after the last commercial and it was seamless i was netflix before there was a netflix Okay, I was Carla Flick. That is the <laughs> definition of love right there. That's why yes. you won favorite panelist right there. Carla <laughs> <Flick>. <laughs> That's what it was. My my dear friend Heidi just voting for me 50,000 times on 12 different devices <laughs> just because I recorded that season of the X-Files for her. But so we went because 
Okay, so clearly we're huge fans. I had, you know, X-Files encyclopedias. And this is before the internet was the big thing that it is. So, like, I bought physical books. I knew the names of the episodes. I knew the names of the the, the directors and the writers. And I was like, oh, this is clearly a Chris Carter episode because I'm. it's kind of iffy. You know, like, oh, you know, Chris Carter. Like, all these things. And it doesn't make me... A bigger fan but i'm just pointing i'm just like giving you my pedigree as an expert <laughs> in my mind so we get to the convention and it's everything i hoped there would be there was like all this cool merch and whatever so i go to the trivia game and already i'm going into it thinking i'm not going to win anything because what do i know about this show that i know everything about <laughs> so i go to the trivia and it's me and like this lumbering dude and a couple of other people who were there and he he's like super cocky because like um the two of the other people like were also women and um there were a couple of other dudes but they were like too cool for the trivia thing and he's like oh, I'm going to crush these little girls and I won you know why because I'm the best but he didn't know that what could he have known and and also like there was a lot of like that that, that kind of like surprised gasping going on whenever I would give a right answer by like the men who were too cool to be in the trivia game, but not too cool to walk away and watch their 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 dude like beat down on these girls. They they were all shocked that I actually knew stuff. Like I'm sorry, are we not in an X Files conversion co- convention? Am I not in an X Files shirt at an X Files convention? Did I not just win a baby alien for? beating this guy at trivia. I kept the little baby alien for the longest time <laughs> and I named them. It, the name was super weird because it was just all of the initials of the first, um, of, of like a lot of the characters, just the first initials. It made no sense, but I made it work. This is telling me I should go buy that baby Grogu. I want so bad. Uh, not the $80 one. Like again, I won this one for free. So, <laughs> but that feeling of intimidation just because I'm a woman walking into this convention center is ridiculous. Nobody should feel intimidated walking into a space just because they're not a man. Nobody should feel like they don't belong in a fan space just because they're not a man. Um, And the fact that how often it happens and continues to happen is absolutely ridiculous. The The sexual harassment happens no matter how you dress, certainly more if you're in cosplay, though, because men feel like they have, just in general, there's like this whole thing of men feeling entitled to um, to access to the bodies that they feel attracted to. They're like, I like it. I'm going to touch it. No, Junior, you're not four years old at the toy store. You have some self-control and are a grown-up and can resist grabbing a girl's butt. There was so much butt grabbing that happens in in fandom spaces and conventions when people are just walking around getting from place A to place B, having their body parts groped. Simply for for their body parts existing in the same space as a hand that wants to grab them, and that is just disgusting. 
And when it comes to, like, people who show up in cosplay, yeah, a lot of them show up in, in like, really sexy, hot cosplay. And that's fantastic. Good for them if they want to, to do that. But either way, they put in a lot of work into making this cosplay work, not just for looking good, but also because they connect with a particular character or a particular property and they want to exhibit that through their artwork on their body. And that their body being part of their canvas does not entitle anybody to touch the canvas. Like, if you have not been, if you have not asked for and been granted explicit permission to touch somebody, then you keep your damn hands to yourself. It is not that hard. It's not a difficult concept. And yet, men continue to do this. They continue to do this. Everywhere you go, you, you can't be a fan. Like, yeah, like in concerts, festivals, you can't show up in any kind of fan space and feel as a non-man, like your body will be respected. Yeah, just imagine if women went around just grabbing men's crotches on a whim. But that's just it. Like That gets into a whole different dynamic because then, then it's like men are expected to be glad for it. And they don't get to have that that reaction. But that's also like misogyny. <laughs> but you know, like just keeping it with with the, you know what we're talking about here, the the fact that you can't feel safe just enjoying something is so disturbing. You can't feel safe doing anything, and and, and it's it's interesting too because my husband who is who is, you know, as far as I'm concerned, a pretty enlightened dude, he will ask me, oh, so what do you do this? And I'm like, because I don't want somebody stabbing me in the back whilst I'm trying to walk to my car. He's like, oh, I hadn't really thought of that. I I told him that um, I, I changed my, my car settings so that when it's one of those things where like you, you touch the door, the door unlocks. And I think like the the factory default is that all of them unlock. So I looked to figure out the setting to change this so that only the driver's side door unlocks. He's like, oh, but that's so inconvenient. What if you need to get something in the car? I'm like, yes, but if I'm walking by myself somewhere, I don't want some rando getting in my car with me just because he thinks that it, that he can. And he's like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. And it's like, you know, like th- these things that, that men don't think about because men don't realize the extent to which we are in constant fear for our um our bodily integrity and our safety where we are and then going back to gatekeeping in conventions yeah i mean like <laughs> there's no more fertile ground for being asked ridiculous questions than conventions like you you can you show up somewhere and like god forbid you're in cosplay too like you show up somewhere and it's like oh you like this character why do you like the character what did you think of this character in episode four of season 13 what do you think that were you know like um can you tell me like the defining characteristics of their automobile you know like um maybe i can maybe i can't but why don't you just like you know save yourself a breath and take that energy towards, I don't know, whatever the hell it is that you could be doing 50,000 feet away from me. 
There's no need for us to interact on this level because you feel threatened in your fan space. So if you're going to a convention, just be there and enjoy the convention. Leave people alone. If your entire intent is to impose your um your insecurity on them like listen to a podcast watch some tv whatever you know use your time for something better than to harass people meg so i'm gonna just briefly because i feel like with cosplaying it kind of comes into rpg and stuff like that and where and how they're it's gotten better and I've been very fortunate. So I really love Dungeons and Dragons. Not just the podcast. I actually I very much like the the game. I am a part of a couple campaigns. And it's something that I really, really enjoy doing. And I've been very fortunate and lucky in that the places that I've gone to play have been very inclusive, very welcoming, very open and female friendly. That has not always been the case, of course. This is something that's fairly recent. And it's something that's ties into the conventions a bit because this is a different area, but it's, I feel like it ties into it. But the idea that's so interesting to me and so frustrating to me in general about things like role-playing games is men so who are playing them so often complain about how they are unattractive to women or they they can't find women to interact with and then as soon as there's a woman who wants to come and be a part of their community and wants to join it she's only allowed in there if she's going to be sexual in some way she's never and this is again very general this is not my personal experience but i do know that this is a thing that happens within it but if she they always assume that she will never be a useful part of the the crew or the adventurers or whatever guild or whatever they're doing. She's purely there to fulfill a male fantasy for them within the role-playing community. And that's something that was really kind of embedded, especially in Dungeons and Dragons, especially in the beginning. And I'm going to talk to you guys about it before uh, Gary Gygax, who created this world, Flat out came out and said he's not really super interested in trying to. He wasn't. He's dead now. Uh, he wasn't super interested in trying to appeal to women because women just the the times that he would have three out of one hundred and fifty people playing be women. They just didn't. They just didn't seem to like it. They really weren't into RPG. They were so much more into LARPing, which is live action role play. If you're not sure. And the reason why was because doing RPG and doing that kind of role playing and stuff like that was much more masculine because it was about imaginary combat and and skills and all this other stuff. And LARPing is so much more about costumes and makeup and socializing and and just and that's and he's like and he specifically was saying men and women's brains fun brains function so differently that women couldn't possibly be interested in Dungeons and Dragons. So he didn't even bother coming up with anything that had anything to do for, for women. Like I said, it has gotten better. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons has become much more inclusive. And I think that's been a really active, a thing that uh, at least in my experience has been a real effort being made to do that. 
So I was I was trying to figure out a way to bring Dungeons and Dragons and LARPing into this, and I was like, cosplaying conventions, I feel like that's the closest I'm gonna be able to get to that. <laughs> that because I think it's important, because I think we talk about misogyny and fandom, and it's not just TV and movies. It's it's a part of any fan space. It's any it's geek culture in a lot of ways. And the the irony of men wanting to meet women who like who share their interests, but then once they do. They don't actually want to be with those women. They don't. It comes back to where I feel like there's a lot of men who just don't like women <laughs> as anything more than. I will not put it as crudely as I was going to, but anything more than for their physical needs. That's the nicest way I can put it. <laughs> but I also find it very funny to me that painting your body. And going to a big stadium and cheering for a team, that's a totally normal, cool thing to do. Paint your whole body all day long. Take your shirt off. Jump up and down. Get drunk. Cheer for your favorite team. That's totally cool. That's totally normal. That's totally expected. Because, of course, that's a male-dominated situation. And But the idea of cosplaying is either you better know that every minute detail of that character and you better be the right race, a.k.a. generally white. You better not be a woman of color trying to cosplay as a character who is white on the screen because we can't do that because that opens up this whole other gross racism (laughs) that comes to being like, well, if a if a if a person of color is able to cosplay as a white person, why can't white people cosplay as people of color? And if you don't know the answer to that, that like I'm sorry, but it, that's again that's not misogyny so much. But it feels like generally for women, if you're going to cosplay, you better know everything, or you better be slutty. Yep, and that's it. Like I have joked about wanting to go cosplaying if we went to a supernat if I ever went to a supernatural convention again as quote unquote crazy cast because I could just wear scrubs and a trench coat and I'd be like that'd be the most comfortable I'll ever be at a convention. <laughs> um <laughs> but even in some place like a supernatural convention, which is so predominantly female, and it's so baffling to me that this audience, the fandom is so predominantly female, even though the general audience is 50-50, women were never considered in any part of Supernatural. Like, the the con- and it's so ironic and frustrating that so much, vast majority of fandom creations, fanfic, fan art, podcasts, all that stuff is women. But yeah. they're never given any place of value within the fandom, which is always fun. I think even going to going to a convention, being a part of fandom space, I think is really interesting in that even other women who are there with you, you can be at the convention, but it's because, again, you have to be like attracted to the people who are at that convention, to the actors or actresses who are there. I feel like the general assumption is women don't go to conventions because they care about what they're going to see. They only care about the hot dude. Like I feel like if had had I or 
if I'd have been old enough to watch X Files. <laughs> Because I was a baby. And I was really scared. Honestly, I'd seen a couple episodes. My parents would have let me watch it, but I was a weenie. But as an adult, I feel like going to an X-Files convention, the assumption would be that you're there because you think David Duchovny's hot. Or because you think Gillian Anderson's hot. And that's both true. And, And there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. But the idea that that's the only reason, and I feel like that's something that I've kind of encountered myself going to conventions, because I've been to several supernatural conventions. I've been to once upon a time conventions and stuff like that. And the assumption always is like, you're going because you're just really horny for this actor. You don't care about the show or the movie or whatever it is you're going to. You're specifically there because you're objectifying someone there and you have no deeper connection to what you're doing and that's where the quizzing comes in and the gate com- keep keeping comes in where it's like okay well if you're not here for that quote-unquote wrong reason you better prove to me that you actually really really love this show and you actually really really love xyz so you better tell me all about it otherwise <laughs> but the sexual harassment thing i just remember first concert i ever went to and this is a band thing and this is my little fun anecdote of going to Carla with your personal space and your body being your own. I was 13 when I went to my first concert without an adult. And now, having a 14-year-old, I don't know what my parents were thinking. Because <laughs> never. But I was 13 years old, and I was pretty naive. And I went to see a, I went to see a band I really, really liked. And... I was in the mosh pit. I was crowd surfing. And the amount of grown men who put their hands all over my teenage body was horrifying to me. And it was especially horrifying to me because so much of it happened in the mosh pit. And the mosh pit, if you guys have been to concerts with mosh pits, that is supposed to be the safest space, ironically, to be in a concert. and. I never went in one again because I, I, like I said, I wore a skirt and that was a mistake. And the entitlement that is felt within any kind of space, if there is a crowd, the entitlement, it would never occur to me. And I feel like it would never occur to most women that I know to just touch someone else's body because it's there and you want to. And I just, I, I, I personally couldn't understand. And that might be why I can't imagine ever letting my 14-year-old kid go to a concert by herself without me. Because I, it was such a horrifying experience to me. And it made me never really want to spend time in that fandom again. I have, I have left so many fandoms or fan spaces after dipping my toe in them because of the misogyny. Like, as a, directly because of the misogyny in there um so but yeah yeah well tiff so i was also thinking about the fact of women-led blogs and you know media sites podcasts being pushed out of spaces what they consider traditional male spaces at cons um you know Meg and I wrote for the Game of Nerds for many, many years um, with a friend of the podcast, Shannon. And, you know, that's her baby. 
that is, you know, something that she like literally has bled blood, sweat and tears for that site. And she tried her darndest to get a a media pass, a credential to, um, to San Diego Comic-Con for years and years and years and was always told you didn't have enough online engagement. Your online engagement numbers aren't there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then she's pulling these stats from male-led blogs and pods, and they're being granted their credential. How does that work? How does that work? And this was a yearly thing. This was, I mean, year over year over year. This was, this is what she had to deal with. So I know, you know, and obviously that's just one example because I was, I was in that little space and I knew what was going on, but I'm sure she's obviously not the only one that was dealing with that. So it's not just the, uh, I would say like the boots on the ground, the people, you know, the fans going in that are having issues. It's also the people that are behind the scenes trying to get the scoop that everybody that their fans want to see. They're making a, a really, I almost think that they're mocking, you know, female led media sites. And that's how it felt to me is that, Oh yeah, yeah. yeah okay. We might let you in. Uh, uh, no, we're not. <laughs> Once more, we don't have room for you. Apologies. Try again next year. It, that's honestly how it felt year after year. I've actually never gone. I was racking my brain and I was like, oh, I've never gone to a convention before. How odd. I've been to, oh, it's weird, but I've been to an R, I've been to RV conventions before. <laughs> yes. My, my, let me tell you about the time we went to one at Dodger Stadium and we had a rental car and my parents forgot what type of rental car they had. And we spent two hours wandering through the parking lot at Dodger Stadium trying to find the car. Because guess what, folks? This was back in like 1988 where you didn't have the boop, boop. You know, you couldn't chirp your alarm. Yeah. No, no. So we literally had to walk trying to find the car. <laughs> but you want to talk about a male-dominated space. You talk about the RV convention world. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, nothing but um i've also been to i work in uh the world the exciting world of finance and i used to um underwrite power sports items and for anybody that doesn't know what power sport items is that is motorcycles scooters jet skis um living quarter trailers which is what you see like where horses are um when they when they're traveling with their horses on the road that's considered a living quarter trailer Anything like that, uh, ATVs, quads, that sort of thing, those are considered power sport items. And you talk about a male-dominated space, it's that. And not only male-dominated, old white male-dominated space. And they have their own, motorcycle lovers have their own set of fandom. They do. You know, they call them clubs. <laughs> they call them motorcycle clubs. They wear leather and they don't wear somebody else's colors because that will get you beat down. Um, yeah, but they and they go out and these are old dudes. I'm not just talking about like the stuff that you see like on uh, Sons of Anarchy. We're not talking about like that. We're talking about like these, you know, 65, 70 year old men going out on the weekends on their Harleys 
uh, and then they'll have their ladies on the back. <laughs> you know, you don't see the women driving. No, 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 no. no. The, the ladies riding, they're riding on the back. Of the- and all the men are wearing shirts that say, if you can read this, the bitch fell off. Oh, uh, I hate that shirt so much. Mm-hmm. That shirt sucks. But I see, I see it everywhere. Yeah. It's, but it was one of those things where, you know, hey, I had been in the space for, you know, I'd been underwriting these loans for like, you know, close to a decade. And these, at these conventions, because I had to go to several to review new products and things like that for our company, they were filled with nothing but know-it-all men who think you know absolutely positively nothing. It was almost the same thing that you get, the same vibe, the same type of, of personalities that you see in any other space, whether you're going to Comic-Con, whether you're going to Supernatural Convention, any type of thing, it's the same thing. They are one and the same across the board. Of course, not all men, men, if you're listening, not all men, but you know who you are, men. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> but um, I, yeah, the, the thing about the cosplay it's the same thing as, as being on the street and uh, getting getting catcalled on the street. I had never experienced the amount of catcalling that I got until I went to New York and went in the early spring and it was breezy. So literally wearing sweatshirt, track pants. Ayo, Ma. Ayo. How you doing, Ma? You need to smile, Ma. <laughs> and yeah, sweatshirt and track pants. Absolutely positively, nothing, nothing revealing, nothing body conscious. Uh, I was swamped in fabric. And that's what you but that's what you get. Because they feel that they have a that they have not only the desire, but they have the right to your personal space into your time, into your attention. Doesn't matter if you're married. Doesn't matter if you're if you're in a relationship with somebody else. Doesn't matter if you're walking beside that person. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you're pushing your kid in the stroller. It literally makes no difference. They feel that they have the right to you and to your body. It's entirely unfortunate. And they also feel you should feel it's a compliment. <laughs> you should be complimented. We're paying attention to you. Yeah. No or like, you know, that attention guys. <laughs> no, or like, or you'll hear, well, you shouldn't be wearing that if you didn't want that attention, no matter what you're wearing, even if you're wearing sweats or anything like that, it will be the same kind of thing. You shouldn't be wearing that because it fits your ass a certain way or something like that. Yeah. So it's all the onus is back on you. But, um, I want to point to a fantastic documentary I, I, I directed. I interviewed the directors, Jonathan McHugh and Jordan Rennert earlier um, last year, sorry, last year, right after San Diego Comic-Con. And it's called Cosplay Universe, and it's all about cosplay and the power of cosplay. And one thing that was so prevalent in this was women and female cosplayers and how a lot of women found their place through cosplay. And there are a lot of really well-known, if, if you're in the cosplay world, you'll know these names. I didn't know a lot of them because I'm not as familiar with that world. But one of the cosplayers, Yaya Han, she talked a lot about how 
you know, she does a lot of like poses, which may, you know, the clothing she's wearing may be a little bit more revealing or they may be a little bit more sexual in nature. And so she got attacked for that by people from people saying she's using the fact that she is so gorgeous and her sexuality. And that's why she's so popular instead of realizing the amazing work and craft that she does and the hours and hours of time she spends on it and how beautiful and beautiful and intricate and everything like that, the work she does instead of focusing on that, focusing on the fact that, I mean, she's absolutely drop dead gorgeous. Yes, of course. And some of the stuff is sexy, but that does not mean that it's not a work of art, that it's not to be valued, that the work and the time she spent on that is not to be valued. So it's really interesting watching. I, I recommend that documentary anyway for a lot of reasons, but it was interesting watching her talk about that and her struggles with that. And also there was a convention that used to happen here in Denver called Starfest Convention. I never went. But there was a whole petition that was on change.org that basically was calling on on Starfest to take action because cosplay is not consent. So it was called because there was so much sexual harassment and sexual assault and everything like that at this convention that they ended up doing a whole change.org petition about it. And yeah, so, and you can, you can read the petition and everything and read more about that and more articles about that. But yeah, so there's, there's, we did a cosplay episode a couple of years ago and talked a lot about that and the, and the sexism that is involved in that community. There was a show talking about, you know, like going back to what Carla said earlier about the fact that you will have all of these men who have felt they were bullied. So they're going to turn around and do that kind of bullying. There was this show that used to be on called beauty and the geek. And I don't know if anybody here watched it. And it very much played into that where you have these geeky men and these beautiful women, and they get to have the beautiful women because the women look beneath everything and see how great they are. And I think that plays into this whole misogyny thing too. So that's another interesting little thing to examine. Someday we're going to have to do certain reality shows and tropes there. And I do want to point to, you know, we mentioned last week that I did, I did win a, um, a best short screenplay award at the women in horror film festival. And the reason I'm pointing this out is when, cause I think film festivals can be in this too. I've been to tons of fem- film festivals, more than conventions. And uh, going to this film festival was very interesting because there were a lot of women there, very few men. And when you talked to women, when I talked to some women there, a lot of that reason was because this once again goes to what I was saying earlier about horror movies. Why would we go and watch these horror movies that are made by women, feature women, because they're not going to be that scary? What are you talking about? And they're not going to be that gory. They're not going to be this, that. And that's total bullshit. And, but it goes, plays into the sexism. And then, you know, so you don't have as many people there. So they don't see as much revenue. And then Women in Horror Film Festival changed. It became the Renegade Film Festival because, and it's still for marginalized voices, but it's not just for women anymore. And while I totally appreciate spreading it out and, and having, you know, it open for, it has to be 
you have to be a marginalized community in order to enter. You can't be just like a cis straight white man. I, I, I appreciate that. But at the same time, to me, I wonder, and I don't know this for a fact, I wonder if part of the reason that it changed was because of the fact that you had so many men not wanting to participate or to be at a film festival that's horror related that is centered on women. And so I do wonder that. I do not know this for a fact, but when that happened, I have to say a little tiny bit of me even though I do, I love that it's more, I'm not saying we don't need more representation because we definitely do, but a little bit of me kind of was heartbroken because I wondered if that was part of it because going there and seeing that if you were at a different, because I've been to tons of film festivals and they're usually always packed, packed, and it wasn't like that. So there's a part of me that wonders if that's why they changed it because they could no longer afford it. I don't know this once again for a fact, but I wondered that. So I, I don't know, but yeah, so I, you, once again, that's going to that thing of men thinking women can't possibly enjoy horror in the same way. And it's going to be just light, fluffy horror and not, there were some pretty disturbing things I saw there. So I, you know, and it's, and that was interesting about the San Diego comic-con thing, Tiff, because we got in there the first time I applied. So I think that's so, which I mean, makes me even more (laughs) honored that that happened. But I do think that that happens all the time in this space. Being a female podcaster, you know, recently there was, I was trying to find it when, because when you said that, it made me think of that. Being a female podcaster is very difficult because this is a field that is dominated by men as far as the ones that get the most attention, make the most money get to have a career easier at this and mainly white men. And um, there was some Twitter post and I can't remember the account that was saying there are no female led podcasts that are in the top rated podcasts ever. And so they were posting wanting to hear from female podcasts. And That to me is so depressing because there is the meme out there of every podcast looks like this and it's just these three white men sitting around talking. And that's part of the reason I created this podcast is because I love podcasts and there are, but there are so many female podcasters out there. You just have to be willing to go find them and they are there in every space. There are every kind of genre you like, every topic, they are going to be there. So. It's a, it's another area, I think, and that goes with fandom stuff where people just automatically think that it's going to be a male-led podcast. And if it's going to talk about fandom, it's going to be male-led and especially white cis men. So, yeah. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay, well, let's move on to this, this question. I only am asking this because I'm just curious 
Carla, do you think there is any fandom or genre that is worse than any of the others at this? Or no? I think that it's not really a genre, but it is, uh, it falls within the sci-fi fantasy realm. Sci-fi and fantasy are completely different things. They can have there's overlap in some and they can have commonalities, but they're their own separate things. But really that, that, that I feel is where a lot of the, the misogyny is really concentrated because I, I think that I, again, that idea of like, well, this was my safe space growing up as a kid and I had a hard time, um, this was my identity growing up, so I want to keep it, and I want to keep it woman free because women aren't equipped to um to think about this the way that me and my dude bros think about it, which is funny in part because sci-fi was created by a woman. Mary Shelley created science fiction, and much like with the whole my little pony thing something created by a woman gets uh taken over by men and women get shut out of it it's just amazing how consistently it happens yes oh sorry i didn't know you were doing <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> Meg, <laughs> I think you don't see misogyny rampant anywhere as much as you'll see it in the gaming community. Women gamers, they're not real gamers. Um, you see it everywhere where women only like Animal Crossing or Candy Crush or The Sims, and they're not real games. Minecraft was one of those games where it's like, that was a real game. That was a game that was like hard and complex and really, really great, rich community. And then women and young girl and girls started becoming interested in it. And now it's no longer. Now it's just so soft. Now it doesn't matter because it became a place where women and, and girls wanted to join and it became not a game. Minecraft isn't a real video game anymore. You see so much where <laughs> I talked about with My Little Pony where men will enter female spaces and take over. And at the same time, they're going to balk at any woman or any even shred of inclusivity coming into their quote unquote spaces. A few years ago, Call of Duty, when they did, it was Call of Duty Black Ops, their Cold War game. They put a third gender neutral option for their game and men lost their shit because it was left wing propaganda. They couldn't fathom why they would need this. And at the same time, they're yelling disgusting obscenities to women in the lounges to the point where women just don't even talk when they when they play games anymore. I recently saw a thing where they did a social experiment of where men were playing video games that they always played, but they had voice modulators to make their voices sound like women. And they were shocked at how they were treated. I'm like, what are you talking about? Because there's no way that you have not been there when a woman was talked to like this and you didn't say shit. 
men need to hold other men accountable if 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 they're going to be surprised that women are being treated terribly in spaces you need to there's no way you don't see it like it's so rampant it's so it's everywhere there's no way you don't see it especially in the gaming community i think is the worst of the worst so i talked about on wednesday how like hooked i am on the last of us and it's really interesting because I became like really into the video game when it came out 10 years ago. But, and this is something where I was talking to, I was talking to a friend of mine and I was telling him, I was like, I'm really upset that Marty never wanted to play the video game because I really wanted to watch him play it. And my friend was like, well, why don't you just play it? And it was something that never even occurred to me because I have felt like I loved video games as a kid. Once I got to be about 13, I was basically, that's not for girls. That's boy space. So you don't get to do that anymore. And I'm thrilled that that's not something that younger girls are still gaming and having a good time. Um, but there's so far to go with gaming. But but I stopped gaming because girls weren't supposed to do it. And now I just... It never occurred to me to try and play the video game myself. I just wanted to watch my husband do it because I wouldn't be good at it because I haven't played it in so long. And it and it's something that weirdly got to me and like burrowed into my brain because why can't I play like why can't <laughs> like why can't women play this? And I'm seeing a lot of women having reactions to The Last of Us, the the show versus the game. And the comments that you see on them are just men losing their minds because they don't understand. Like they're so mad about the last of us, not having enough zombies and not having enough violence. Like there, there's not enough violence in the show for them. And they are not being able to understand the emotional storyline or the overarching storyline of the story. They're just mad because, there's not enough killing, basically. But anyway, that's a really, really, really long way. <laughs> it's making a short answer long, but I would say I think of all the of all of the areas of fandom, I think gaming is by far still the worst. It's still the worst for misogyny. It's the worst for the right wing pipeline. Um, it really does a lot of damage to men and women. And I just, and it's one of those things where I don't know, I have no thoughts of how to fix it other than men having to stand up and, and, and call out other men because the men who say the things that they say to women are not going to care and they're not going to listen to women. Yeah. Tiff. I was thinking the same thing with the gaming community. Um, they, the only reason I, and you said it, you broke it down so beautifully, I, I will defer to your wisdom on that. I do think in terms of like mainstream media, you're probably talking about sci-fi as being the worst of the mm-hmm. worst. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can probably fold, you know, because it does have a lot of elements of science fiction in there, you can probably fold fantasy somewhat into that as like a subgenre. Simply because it's just um, women are not allowed to be powerful or smart in those spaces. 
um, when we're talking about gatekeeping, it is always, always the dude bros who are always harping on how they want the good old days of Star Trek back. And the, the problem that I, the, the main problem I have with that is I'm like, what were you watching? My dad is a Trekkie. Um, I grew up with Star Trek and it's in my blood, it's in my veins. Um, the, the biggest problem I have with that is that, you know, listen to the tagline of what Gene Roddenberry was saying. And that was to boldly go where no play, where nobody's gone before and seek out new land, to seek out new worlds. Uh, it yeah. was about exploration. I mean, and yes, there's undercurrents of colonization as well, but we're not going to go on there. We're not going to talk about that. We're just going to talk about that's, you know, a different <laughs> that's a different episode of it's a fandom <laughs> thing pod people. Aaron will get to that later. <laughs> but um, the whole idea of, wanting to seek out other peoples and other entities and other forms of intelligence of higher intelligence was part and parcel of what Star Trek was about. And now, you know, it was bad when you got to Star Trek TNG, right? Um, Because they had several women on the show. And then when you got to Voyager and then when you, you know, I mean, it just keeps going on and on and on. And now with, Star Trek Discovery, where you have a black woman captain. Oh, oh, all of the dude bros are clutching their pearls all over, or, or no, sorry, clutching their puka shells all over the place. They're, they're, everybody is, <laughs> their, their coronas are splashing to and fro, to and fro. No, they're, they're IPAs, they're sour beers from, a Brooklyn distillery that nobody's ever heard of. They're, they're all aghast, right? Um, it, it's a, it's a load of hooey. <laughs> it's a, it's a full of crockery. That's what it is because it's the, the premise of sci-fi as Carla stated, you know, Mary Shelley laid the foundation. Men have co-opted it and now women are pulling it back and expanding the view of what sci-fi is because science fiction it is fiction it is fiction that means that you can have asian people you can have black people you can have indigenous people you can have peoples of all types of genders of all types of races of interplanetary relationships it's all there people because it is fiction it is not exactly. Meg mentioned um, the Rings of Power backlash. We know how, you know, once again, dude bros, apparently the Lord of the Rings can only be white, apparently, which completely flipped their script in the Rings of Power. Completely. In, in, a, in a world where orcs exist and dragons exist, the most unbelievable thing was a black elf. Black elf. <laughs> A black dwarf princess. Oh my god, no. Oh, who had who had like a Scottish accent. <laughs> it's all it's yeah, it's just too much. It's too much. But Aaron, I seed. I'm gonna be very brief because of time, because we are gonna have to wrap up soon. So um I will just say when I started this podcast, the thing I was told was never cover Star Trek. Don't ever cover Star Trek. 
Star Wars is bad, but don't ever cover Star Trek because you're a woman. Don't do it. We did it, but <laughs> I was told not to, but we did it anyway. So that's all I'll say in <laughs> this part. Although I, I do think I do agree with Meg with the gaming thing, but um, that's all I'll say. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. So lastly, and we're only going to talk about this for a little bit because of time, because we have to wrap up here. And we could do a whole, we'll do a whole other episode sometime about just this last one, because I think it would be important just to do this last one as a separate one. But we only have like about 10 minutes here, but I do want to quickly, I know it's a big thing to get quick thoughts on, but um, thoughts on internalized misogyny, which is basically the hatred and dislike or mistrust of women by other women. So Carla. The biggest thing that I see with that lately is the idea that women, once they, uh, Meg had brought this up earlier, that once you cross a certain point in your life, you're not, you're no longer allowed to be a fangirl, that you should be doing more productive things with your time. Like, you know, raising a family, tending to your husband, painting your white picket fence, like whatever the hell it is that women are supposed to be doing instead of fanning out. And even beyond that, we start putting down fangirling way younger. We start mm -hmm. when, when with little girls, with the whole idea that um, that it's so creepy that all of these little girls love BTS so much. Like, oh my gosh, don't they have better things to do with their lives? Like, oh, the way that they, that they, um, know all of the, all of the members of BTS and all the things that they like and do as if there aren't like hours and hours of footage of them on, of run BTS giving you this information. It's not like they're sitting there stalking these people. This information is readily available through that, and also because they do a lot of of um, fan interaction events. So, the more it seems that um, that people validate fangirlism, the more it gets put down. Because it's like with anything in this world, the more that that the status quo is threatened, especially when it comes to to the cishet white patriarchy, the more pushback there is against it. And I watched a, um, a TED talk by Eve Blake called for the love of fangirls. That was fantastic where she talks about specifically this young girls feeling safe and empowered to fangirl and why that's so important and why it matters. So the sooner we stop telling women and girls or just non-men in general that the sooner we stop telling these people that they're weird or creepy or that there's something wrong with them for liking things, the sooner we will get to a point where we realize that we're all human beings. We all like something. 
and we all like it to whatever degree we like and that there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I, I don't have too much. I think I talked a bit about this. I think I know I talked a bit about this before, but I think it's funny when Carla mentioned the BTS thing about like g- young girls knowing or teens knowing stats and all this information, stats, all this information about BTS and that being weird and creepy. It falls right into men and boys knowing about the stats and stuff of sport, uh, of teams and players and that being totally fine and normal, acceptable like knowing what high school person is going to college one year because of their athleticism. That's totally cool and normal, but knowing about a band who's feeding you this information is creepy and weird. What I'm personally seeing so much as far as internalized misogyny is very much coming from young women towards older women in fandom spaces. I feel like older women are being older. And by older, I literally mean like, 30 and up so not even like old women just older being shoved out of fandom spaces being shoved out of like by puritanical teens the puritans that have been coming up everywhere wanting like that's a whole other episode um but I'm just going to pretty much second what Carla said and reiterate what I had said earlier about internalized misogyny. And there's a lot of pick me girls and a lot of what I have been seeing is it's mostly coming from younger fan, female fans towards older women who built fandom for the love of God. (laughs) I think it does like Meg was talking about, it does tie into a lot of ageism Two, these younger girls defer to, instead of deferring to like older women, they defer to older men. And because of that, then they have these very antiquated ideas of how women are supposed to be. So like by the time you get to 30, 35, oh no, it's not okay for you to like anything, television, film. Well, no, you can like books, but only if it's something like, you know, military history historical art yeah. <laughs> like biographies something extremely dull but no that i mean but that's an important aspect of it who are these girls getting this information from they're getting it from men it's trick it's, it's this is the bad trickle down effect folks this is the bad trickle down effect and i know we've got to wrap it up here so i'll i'll put a bow on it right there yeah we will have to just do an episode on this Next year we'll do it during topic month because you just we just have to do a whole separate episode on this. So apologies that we didn't get to discuss this part of it too much because I do think it's important to to talk about because it manifests itself in lots of ways and in the direction the country goes to. So it's all there, you know, because white women never vote for their own interests because of, you know, it's, it's all white supremacy and internalized misogyny. I'll just quickly say as a way to also promote next week's episode, I totally, the ageism thing I think is the, is a big, huge thing, especially in certain fandoms. I think supernatural has a big, huge problem with internalized misogyny in that fandom. And it comes out with things like with Travis Aaron Wade and, his alleged assaults. But I want to say I have loved the Oscars since I was a little kid. 
And the way I have experienced a lot of this and, and, and it's weird because I'm right now, I'm like, was this really internalized misogyny or was it just, I don't know, just being attacked for liking things. But a lot of my, my friends and people, unless they were really into film, never understood why I loved the Oscars so much and why it was meant so much to me. Like missing the Oscars is like, and I'm not saying the Oscars don't have problems, but missing the Oscars is a really sad, heartbreaking thing to me, honestly. It's a very important part of my DNA. And I would experience that a lot from people very close to me of a lot of attacks, and I'm talking about women, attacks on me for liking this because what this isn't important in the broad scheme of the world. And I understand that. I'm not saying it's not, but you can like stuff like this and still, but I, but I think film and it is very important in the broad scheme of things. Anyway, it changes lives. It can change opinions. It can change the world. So um, anyway, so next week, the reason I mentioned that is next week. And I think it still fits with topics. We are going to be taught Aaron a, my producer is going to join me again to talk about um, Oscars. So we're going to talk about the Oscars. So. Let us know who you think will win. I think I haven't talked to her yet, so I don't know if she'll want to join me, but I think we'll also be doing live stream reactions directly after the Oscars, which the Oscars this year are on the 12th of March, Sunday, March 12th. So we will probably do some live reactions and see what we think about the winners and all of that stuff. And the fact that the Oscars now have enlisted a safety committee because of last year so we'll talk about that too okay but we're gonna go ahead and wrap up i know we're not doing six degrees i apologize time wise brain wise we're gonna wrap it up but um we will definitely be playing six degrees on our next episode uh our next main topic episode so carla where can they find you and the podcast bedwet or behead that you co-host with men thank you bedwet or behead can be found wherever you get your podcasts you can also look at our retweets on uh, at Bedwet Behead Pod. <laughs> I knew this. Carl, Carla and I are very much in the bed section right now. <laughs> um, you can look at our our Instagram posts, infrequent as they are, at bed.wet.behead.pod. You can find us on other social media. Look for Bedwet or Behead Podcast. Whether or not we post is our problem, not yours. So feel free to follow and watch the thin air you can also follow me and my art and my musings on instagram at carla temis or on my website carlatemis.com that's c-a-r-l-a-t-e-m-i-s.com i did that on a cloud of pillows um (laughs) 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 meg (laughs) I love that whether or not we post this our problem, not yours. We've been very busy, folks. <laughs> um, you can find me on all of the things. I'm not super active on social media these days because it's all a hell hole <laughs> that I don't really want to be a part of. Um, if you want to see my reposts of Pedro Pascal fan cams and fan edits, you can... Find me on all of the social media at Wisconsinac, W-I-S-C-O-N-S-E-N-N-A-C-H. 
And if you want to friend me on TikTok, I'll send them all to you directly, whether you like it or not. Um, (laughs) Aaron and Carla are nodding and laughing. Tiff either doesn't have TikTok or she has been smart enough to not send me her handle. And that's, that's it. That's all I have right now. Like I said, I am the personification of an email forward. (laughs) (laughs) And Tiff. As soon as she mentioned TikTok, I was like, okay, let me go see uh, what is my TikTok. Friend me. Friend me, Tiff. I'm friending. I'm going down. Like I have a bunch of people that have followed me and I do nothing on it. Find me. Find me and watch all my like super hot Pedro Pascal edits. I shall find you. I shall. I promise. Um, Yeah. So like Meg, I'm not really doing the social media thing except for like Discord. But if you happen to kind of take a peek out there on who is tip with me, I'm also available for your fine podcasting needs. I promise I'll do my homework if you'd like to have me on. And I have no idea what the topic is. Yes. As as long as you are a good person. I want to stress that. (laughs) Yes, if you're bad and evil, I will not come on. Yes, don't hurt, don't hurt, don't hurt, Tiff. She doesn't want to talk about high-value females. Like I said, don't follow me on Twitter. There's no point to it. You can. I'm not going to stop you, but there's no point. Um, Be sure to follow Fergie, though, on TikTok as I take the journey of trying to make her go viral. So follow her over on TikTok. The handle is Schroeder and Fergs. That's S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R-A-N-D-F-E-R-G-S. Uh, be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. On TikTok at it's a fandom thing pod. If you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, head on over to our website, it's a fandom thing pod.com. Click the contact us button there. That'll shoot me an email and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And once again, on our episode next week, we will be talking about the Oscars. And also another reason to become a Patreon supporter is Carla and I, at some point in March, we're going to do an episode talking about the Banshees of Inisharan. So that's another reason to join. You can listen to me talk about how much I love Colin Farrell, who I will be meeting in Ireland soon, I'm sure. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and stop Asian hate. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey, are you a super fan of Taylor Swift, Jelly Roll, or Morgan Wallen? Are you that song nerd who likes to dive into every little lyric of every little song and figure out what everything means? Do you want to take that a bit further, though? Because I have a podcast called Songwriter Soup, and it dives into the journey of a songwriter and how those people help craft the soundtrack of your life. I'm Laura Veltz, and I'm bringing all of my friends together to discuss our funny little job writing for all of your favorite artists. Listen to Songwriter Soup wherever you get your podcasts.